Although nuclear power continues to be resolutely opposed by much of the mainstream Canadian Green movement, there's a new poll out from the Angus Reid people showing that Canadians are increasingly comfortable with a nuclear-inclusive future. Here to talk more about it is the president of Canadians for Nuclear Energy. Always a pleasure to say good morning and welcome back to Dr. Chris Kiefer joining us from Toronto. Good morning, Chris. Hi, Sterling. It's great to be back. Good to have you with us, Doc. And you are an emergency room physician. You see the consequences of alcohol consumption on a daily basis. Our question of the day before we get to nuclear is, will warning labels on alcohol change your drinking habits? That's a tricky one. You're right. I I do see a lot of tragedy from alcohol. Um, That being said, you know, there's certain substances where there's no such thing as a healthy habit of. um, And that would include things like heroin and things like tobacco. Um, so I'm not 100% sure. I haven't given it a ton of thought, but you know, alcohol is something with absolutely devastating consequences. Um, we've you know managed it poorly with things like prohibition. Um, but, you know, honestly, Sterling, I'll have to give that more thought. All right, fair ball. Let's talk nuclear because the government of Canada appears to have had a bit of a change of heart. Dr. Kiefer, since you and I have been talking about this on the radio together, now more than a few years, uh, when we first started talking, the government of Canada was firmly dug in just 100% against nuclear power going forward. Now, in the wake of the war in Ukraine and demands for our energy from our allies, which we are not doing much about, nonetheless, the government is now actually including in both budgeting and its conversations some degree of acceptance of nuclear power as part of our future. Why the change of heart, do you think? Well, this isn't unique to Canada. We're seeing this absolutely all around the world. Countries that were planning on actually shutting down their nuclear fleets um, for for no good reason are reversing course on that. Japan's restarting its uh, nuclear reactor fleet as it's realized that it's been poisoning its people with coal pollution. And the prices of fossil fuels are just are just unaffordable. Um, so, again, it's not a unique phenomenon, but, Sterling, I'm, I'm as delighted as you are. This is a very recent change, uh, but we're seeing some robust policy action behind it as well. Indeed. Um, you know, Ultimately, again, this is a question of, you know, affordability, reliability, um, and, you know, increasing evidence that nuclear is, you know, the most important and scalable tool in our climate response. Interesting, though, the article in the National Post that brought this to our attention this week began with that sentence, although nuclear power continues to be resolutely opposed by much of the mainstream Canadian green movement, and it goes on to talk about the new polls and the new numbers, why? is the Canadian Green Movement so dug in against nuclear? You know what, it's almost an article of faith. It's almost a religious movement um, against nuclear energy. Um, and it is puzzling. You know, and, and you know, as an Ontario boy, um, it's nice to see that opinions are shifting right across the country because we've known for a long time now how effective nuclear energy is. Um, you know, we accomplished what almost no country in the world has done, which is to phase out coal. We were one quarter powered by coal. It led to sort of like 54 smog days a year in Toronto, uh-huh. formerly known as the Big Smoke. Right. Um, we, we, we're saving about a thousand lives every year as a consequence of, of eliminating coal. And listen, that's not possible with things like wind and solar. It's not that they're not ready yet or they still can't do it. They're not competent at doing it because they rely upon favorable weather conditions. We've had a nice mild winter out here, but I I know that Western Canada has been slammed. You know, and I think think common sense is prevailing. The Canadian public is realizing they've been sold a false bill, bill of goods 
um, on the promises of, of wind and solar in particular. So is it coal, basically, now, certainly in the case of Japan, we know that they've reactivated their uh, nuclear infrastructure uh, because of the coal, and you pointed out uh, the, the uh, obvious physical dangers that coal represents. Germany, on the other hand, and this is peculiar because they are, if, if nothing, at least as technologically advanced as Japan, if not more so, and yet Germany hasn't, hasn't reactivated their existing nuclear infrastructure as Japan has. Germany's still burning coal, Chris. What's up with that? Well, it's not just that they're still burning coal, but again, you know, wind and solar need backup, and it's not batteries. Batteries are good for seconds to minutes, right? There's a word in German for, for the winter doldrums, for that one- or two-week period when there is no sun and there is no wind. They actually have a word for mm. it, right? And as a result, they need fossil fuels to back that up. They got cut off, or Russia cut them off yes. from gas, and so they pivoted back to coal in a massive way um, and reactivated much of the coal fleet that they were so proud to have shut down. They'd replaced it with Russian gas, but that's gone now. And that's having major environmental impacts, and it's driven you know, up their emissions uh, to an extraordinary level. So they've really lost their kind of green veneer. Um, Germany, though, again, it is, it is, again, they have this kind of religious anti-nuclear tenant. I have to say that that's within the government. Um, just as we're seeing here in Canada, popular opinion is moving in favor of certainly keeping the nuclear plants they have open um, and an openness towards building new nuclear. So that's, again, a, a ground-shifting thing. It's not unique to Germany. It's not unique to Canada. We're seeing it right around the world now. Right, and uh, we've, we're now seeing some degree of, uh, of, of interest uh, by the government of Canada in terms of particularly, and you and I have talked about this before, small nuclear uh, power facilities. Talk a little bit more about those as, as compared to something you have near Toronto at Pickering, the, the big deal. Yeah, I mean, so listen, we have an amazing nuclear legacy here in Canada. People say you can't do nuclear fast. It's, it's not going to be able to meet the climate challenge in time. You know, we commissioned 23 large Canada reactors um, in just 22 years. And to give you a sense of that scale, um, we built more electricity generation than Quebec did with the James Bay Hydro Project, mm. which is the biggest hydro project in the country. And we did it in about the same time interval. Um, so we know that nuclear works. There's been a pivot towards uh, small modular reactors, partially because they're a better fit for our smaller provinces like, uh, you know, Saskatchewan and Alberta, right. um, you know, which are, let's face it, still the provinces that use a lot of uh, coal and natural gas for mm -hmm. their power generation. Um, you know, not, not as useful of a fit in Ontario, but a great place to be developed since uh, Ontario is the province that, you know, has the majority of the nuclear expertise uh, in the country. So um, that's starting, but we're also seeing a real pivot uh, towards not just talking about small nuclear, which is maybe easier from a public relations standpoint for government and industry, uh, but a pivot back to large nuclear, in particular, uh, can-do nuclear. So what do you see if there, if there is a sudden uh, expression of moderate interest on the part of the government of Canada, which up until very recently has just been flat out opposed, full stop. Uh, is this, is this a, a tumbling forward kind of thing? Do you see uh, an end game here that might see more construction, particularly of these small nuclear reactors? It definitely is, you know, and again, um, you know, Canadians for Nuclear Energy, the organization I'm the president of, we've been, I think, really at the forefront of a new type of messaging. The environmental movement has had a real monopoly um, on the messaging on nuclear. It's been very misguided. It's been contrary to their goals of, of climate and clean air. Um, but, you know, our messaging is now in the words of ministers who used to say pretty anti-nuclear things. Uh, the Natural Resource Minister, Minister Wilkinson, for instance, you know, his Natural Resource Department is echoing our line, and it's true, that Canadian uranium, for instance, offsets more than one-third of Canada's total national emissions. 
Think about that for a second. A couple mines in Saskatchewan produce enough uranium for the Canadian and global nuclear fleet to displace one-third of Canada's all-sector emissions because we're using clean nuclear energy, which produces almost zero carbon emissions right. instead of coal and gas plants. And it's right here in our own backyard. That's the most amazing part and most convenient part as well, isn't it? Well, it absolutely is. And, and so, you know, we get to have our cake and eat it, too, in terms of doing the right thing on climate, the right thing on air pollution, but also getting economic prosperity out of this. Because this is unique, uh, Sterling. You know, 96% of the entire supply chains in Canada, when you spend a dollar on it, you get a buck forty back in GDP and economic activity because of excellent, high-quality jobs, mostly. When you spend a dollar on wind and solar, 96% of that goes to China. Right, and we get temporary low-skilled construction jobs. And again, in terms of why public opinion is shifting, it's really common sense. It's seeing that the emperor has no clothes. It's seeing that wind and solar jobs, there's no manufacturing sector in Canada for these technologies. We can't compete with the Chinese because it's low-skilled uh, manufacturing. And then the jobs here are temporary construction jobs. Yeah. And then you have a worker, you have a workerless wind and solar facility. There's no parking lots there. There's no long-term jobs there. So, you know, fossil fuel workers are justifiably incredibly skeptical. Yeah. In Ontario, with our coal phase, we gave those coal workers better jobs in nuclear plants. Dr. Chris Keeper, always a pleasure, sir. Fresh out of time, but uh, always grateful for yours. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me back, Stu. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.